welcome back, everyone. Today's episode is all about end of life planning. <laughs> How many of you have got yourselves together? So we're talking about advanced directives, wills,、uh, five wishes, whatever you want to call it. There's something a little bit intimidating about filling out that paperwork. Am I right? I mean, for me, it's something that I also have struggled with, and that's why it's so great to know someone like Nicole, otherwise known as Emerald Awakenings, or even PDX Doula, who isn't afraid to walk you through step by step and help you figure out. Your plan. I also really love talking with Nicole, not just because she's the paperwork queen, but because truly she is a goth icon. You guys should grow up in a cemetery. Isn't that cool? I mean, if I had known her when I was just some nerdy little goth teen, I would have totally been hanging out with her. <laughs> And. I loved our conversation because we talked about everything from six feet under and you know green burial and our path to becoming death workers in order to advocate for people because we understand how traditional funerals and everything that surrounds it are not necessarily the only options. And it can be a really exploitive experience if you don't have some people around you that you can trust. And one way to get your good death is to have it in writing. What you would really like—it's so important, you guys. And honestly, this is the best time of year to start talking to your families when you're all gathered for whatever holiday celebration. You can tell them your about your death playlist or how you would like to be. Uh, <laughs> your remains to be taken care of. Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried at sea? Do you want to have a green burial? There's there's so many more options than just having a traditional what we think of as a traditional funeral. So I'm gonna let you listen to our conversation, and I'll be back afterwards. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome, Nicole of Emerald Awakenings. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's awesome.、Um, I feel like we're just having a continuation because we talked yesterday,、um, and I've been thinking about that conversation, obviously. But、um, in between that time,、uh, you know, this whole like planets in、um, flux, and <laughs> it's a it's a day. You know, it's a real day. It's a real time. <laughs> <laughs> Is it impacting your your world at all today? The retrograding and the Chiron. It is. You know, I I have felt、um, this weird shift over the last couple weeks、mm-hmm. um, leading up to retrograde, and、um, I'm just getting back this week from、um, a wonderful vacation, seeing people I haven't seen in a long time. And the transition back into my normal everyday life has been really hard, harder than normal.
Yeah. Um, so I like I like that there is a retrograde because it gives me a reason, a rhyme and reason for why I'm feeling this way too. Yes. Um, but you know, I feel like someone Wait, asked me, know. how are you doing today? And I was like, nothing's changed, but it's a different day. Yeah. You know? So that's where I'm at. Hmm. Yeah, that can be hard. I haven't traveled in so long, but um, you know, even just, I think, uh, doing like any kind of different thing, um, you know, event, and then coming back into routine can already be challenging. But yes, like it sounded like you had a great time, you know, you were in Denver and you're having like fun and yeah. sunshine and- <laughs> Yeah, it was really nice. And, you know, it's, and I come back and I, you know, I come back to my death work, which isn't my main job, right. um, but I really, you know, with life comes death and, you know, we live our lives a specific way um, in hopes of, you know, leaving a legacy and um, just creating that space for when end of life comes, you know, not really having those regrets. So experiences like the one I had last week, seeing some really important people in my life, um, those moments are really important to me and I don't take right. them for granted. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really know because um, we've actually never really talked. I mean, you interviewed me for tell about tell tell me about it Tuesdays. Yeah, which was great, but it was so like one sided. So you know, of course, I like I'm always curious about what death workers like. Well, I mean, I think you know we're all in this path together. We're all going to die, and we all are going to grieve people most likely um, <laughs> who have died before us. Um, so we're in these bodies anyway. So, you know, how did you like find yourself becoming like, oh, you know, this is what is my calling? Sure. Yeah. I have, um, I'm asked this question all the time because, Mm -hmm. um, when, you know, people ask me what I do and I say I'm in death work, it's like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Um, so I have like a short version answer and I have a long version answer and the short version answer is it is a calling. You know, when you know, when you want to work around the topic of death, you just know. Um, the long version starts um, back in my teenage years. I, uh, my first job when I was 15 was at a mortuary. Mm. And this was about six months after my grandfather had just passed away in my home. He raised me um, with mm. my grandmother. And that was my first experience with death. Um, and my grandmother worked in a cemetery at the time for many wow. years. Mm-hmm. Golf family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually, I learned how to drive um, at the cemetery she worked at. <laughs> oh my God. Were you driving a hearse? <laughs> Not at the time, but that came later. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, just Amazing. her, uh, you know, Toyota Camry. I'd take the bus to her cemetery after school and jump in her car and I'd drive around the grounds and the groundsmen would hop in and teach me how to do certain things and (laughs) oh my god that is so cool yeah I love it so yeah I um my grandfather died and you know I was just I think I was 16 15 or 16 and looking for work and looking for ways to kind of cope with my grief um filling my time and my um my grandmother's boss's husband um is a funeral director And he asked me if I was willing, you know, if I wanted to come and work at the mortuary. Um, Really what that meant was 
you know, vacuuming after a funeral and, you know, transferring <laughs> flowers. I was driving at the time and bringing flowers to the cemetery and just little things. Um, I didn't think about the whole death side of what that would look like. I see. Um, and I stayed with it for several years and um, I found a passion in that work. And um, I loved talking about it. You know, most of my friends were working at, I don't know, Charlotte Roos or Red Robin or something. Right, right, right. You know, Baskin Robbins. And I was a mortuary assistant. And so it really sparked um, sparked people's interest in knowing like what that looked like. Um, and talking about it allowed me to actually understand what that meant. I wasn't just working at a mortuary. I was helping grieving families remove some of the deepest anxieties that they have after losing a loved one. And so um, I graduated from high school and I ended up moving to Oregon. Um, I'm from California. Okay. And I, I would go home for my summers and continue working at the mortuary to make my money for the year. And then that slowly kind of dwindled and um, I kind of lost touch with that job but I did it for about six years. And, um, you know, I went to school to be a social worker. I was a teacher for a really long time, uh, which I loved. I, that was, you know, what I really wanted to be doing. But I can see that, by the way. You know, <laughs> I can see, like, you have that, you know, organization. And, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the death work never left me. I I would think about it all the time yeah. and I found my jobs to be rewarding um, you know I worked with the houseless community in Portland and um, houseless families and yeah um, but it didn't really like hit the spot sort of so to speak you know mm -hmm. um, and I looked into going to mortuary school and whatnot um, but I don't want to be an embalmer and that's right. half of the schooling and so I bypassed that option. And then um, I think it was 2019, a friend approached me and said, have you thought about being a death doula? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, the answer is no, but I'm definitely going to look into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did. I just, you know, I went to Google and I typed in death doula and did my research. And the first organization that I came across was Anelda mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> read, you know, kind of what their training entailed. And at the time they were traveling around the United States, offering their trainings to about maybe a dozen or two different cities. I kind of remember seeing that because yeah, mm -hmm. we're on the same timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And so um, they happened to come to Portland a couple times a year. So I waited, you know, for them to announce those dates in Portland and they did. And I signed up and um, that was about three months, or I guess about January 2020, I signed up. And then in March, when I was supposed to take my training, we fell into the hands of a global pandemic. Right. And so um, I thought I was going to lose that opportunity. Yeah, of course. Um, but they inevitably changed the curriculum and turned it into a virtual training. And so I was the, the first ever Anelda virtual training group. <laughs> wow. You yeah. did the whole program online. I did the whole program online. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, I was just grateful for that opportunity. 
I was a little sad that I wasn't going to be um, immersed with just the Portland community because right. one of my goals was to network. Um, right, of course. And yeah. Yeah. And so the virtual opportunity, of course, was open to anyone who wanted to join at the time. So um, yeah, I took the course and then, you know, you kind of hear your next steps are maybe volunteering in hospice or, mm-hmm. or that sort of thing. But with the pandemic, I couldn't do anything really. So I had this training and nowhere to go, um, which was really sad because I thought I was on my way to something. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, we were talking yesterday, even though I had my in-class in-class in-person classes in LA, um, with sacred crossings, you know, we bonded, but because there was a rotation, every class, you weren't with the same core group and people were from all over. So um, even though, you know, there's a continued Facebook group or something, it's, uh, it's very similar for me. Like, you know, I feel like this community, like now, like we have with like Instagram has sort of um, been like the second, you know, we needed that time to like figure out like, okay, so we're gonna have to do this, you know, on our own. And that's okay. Cause I think, you know, it's still like, you know, like we were saying yesterday, we're still pioneering this Mm -hmm. as a profession. Right. And I also like you, you know, um, did not want to be an embalmer. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and that that was always kind of like, this is where you'll go if you want to work with dead people, um, Mm -hmm. really with their bodies after the fact. Right. Um, so that's really cool, you know, that you, you've had your entrance and through the, the cemetery with your, actually with your family. And, um, you know, if I had gone to high school with you, I would have been like, you know, following you around, <laughs> like the cemeteries and that kind of energy, you know, have always been my, um, my fave. Um, yeah, I definitely, um, I have a page in the yearbook from that year. <laughs> you do. I do. I love it. I want to see that. Yeah. That's what amazing. <laughs> like, uh, because, you know, then you get kind of like, you know, you're that girl. Yeah. Did you watch yeah. Six Feet Under? You know, Absolutely. Six, My course, family from called California. me Claire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Claire. I love, you know, that aspect <laughs> of that show. And it's mm-hmm. so funny now, like people, I don't know, I'm sure always ask you, like, did you see Six Feet Under? You know, it's like part of your prerequisite for um, death work but um, it's a great show but a lot of things have really changed Mm -hmm. I love how they ended that show and I know that you know this is one of the things I want to talk to you about um, is with you know the character Nate and how he started like wanting to look into other options as far as um, green burial and also like deconstructing that whole like you know funeral home um, uh, sanitized version of funerals. Right. So it was really ahead of its time. It was. I believe that scene, his the green burial scene, was the first ever televised. I. I mean, I, I don't think we see it very much now either. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and so it always comes up for people, like either because you know of the nature of being in death work, or. Um, you know, if you talk about green burial, then people might have that, you know, like little nugget of like, oh yeah, I remember that from the show. Right. And Mm -hmm. he was always the outsider of the family, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but that's cool. 
I kind of, I also kind of got into this particular chapter through the internet, you know, kind of like putting forth like, you know, here's this class. Right. I had just moved to California and um, I remember reading it out loud, you know, to my wife and she was like, that sounds so perfect for you. And I'm like, I think I'm taking that as a huge compliment. Um, (laughs) And I do, you Uh know, but it's like, really, this is a class. This is a thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I kind of, I split my story into two parts really, because, so that's part one where it kind of ends at a wall because I took my training and I had nowhere to go with it. And that's mainly due to the pandemic, but I was also starting, I, I had these thoughts that it was going to be something a little different. And that kind of stems from the specific training I received I know other organizations such as Going With Grace or um, um, a sacred sacred passing, a sacred crossing, everyone, every one of them have their own little ways of teaching what death work looks like. Right. And Nelda was very one way. And at the time, I didn't even know there were other options. I thought I Nelda was it. Right. And so I, you know, I spent a couple months kind of wondering what the heck am I going to do? I really, I thought this was my way in. And so I just started joining Facebook groups and that sort of thing to meet people. Um, and then I created my Instagram page. And so that's kind of the start of part two, mm-hmm. because really that's, that's part two is what led me to where I am today and really knowing my place in death work and where I want to be. And that's not sitting bedside. That's not right. what I want to do. And that's what I was taught. Um, and so I made my Instagram page and I, I, that one was solely focused on meeting other death workers or, you know, green burial workers, which honestly at the time, a year ago today, I didn't know what a green burial was. Okay. And now I have planned to have a green burial for myself. You know, I've learned a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and like maybe you've heard of it, but you didn't really, you know, I think a lot of people hear it, but they don't really understand or, you know, um, there's not enough representation or accessibility. Right. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with my grandmother who worked in a cemetery for years. I was wondering. Yeah. I had no idea what a green burial was. Um, and so it's been a really fun conversation to have with her, honestly, because, um, and that, I mean, one of my favorite things about this work is just the education piece around it and, Mm -hmm. and giving people options. You don't have to go to a funeral home. You don't have to go to, uh, you know, your traditional cemetery. There are so many options. I mean, even beyond just cremation, whatever you choose is the right way for you and that's fine but I think it's really important for people to know what their options are right Um, you know and even even when I worked at the funeral home my thought was someone dies you call a funeral home that's just what I was taught working in the funeral home sure Um, and that's a whole other conversation for sure right um and so it's been really enjoyable learning it's a great learning experience for me and I feel like it is now my job to to educate my community and so yeah that's where my death work has gone um I have not sat bedside and I don't have intention 
Um, my focus really is on advanced planning and, you know, getting the word out to people my age. I'm 35 years old. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait until you're a certain age or you're right. terminally ill to think about these things or to have these conversations. And it's you shouldn't so true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Um, and then, yeah, and post-death. I mean, that's kind of my other focus. I I like the funeral aspect, whether it be at home or anywhere, you know. That makes sense because you have that connection. Right. Right. That's what I, I really, really love that, taking that responsibility. Um, I'm a paperwork person. Yeah. I'm an office person. And we love I, you. I like I do that. I know <laughs> a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> I know. I was just talking to someone earlier. I was interviewing someone who's a psychopomp. Oh yeah. And was sharing that they don't like to do, you know, I'm like, that's so funny because my next conversation is with somebody who, if somebody was like, I need someone to walk me through this, you're the person that I would be like, you should talk to Nicole uh-huh. because you've made this incredible um, book or booklet um yeah it's just a it's a pdf um document packet yeah Mm -hmm. and i think um you know also if you really love it you know and you're passionate about it then people reaching out to you can ask for um, guidance so it's not just like you know i know about websites like i think there's one called like cake or something it is right um which is great but like, just to point someone in that direction and be like, go to this, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not attached to a person mm-hmm. who has that personal, you know, interest in like making it a great, you know, experience um, right. or connection. And, um, you know, actually when I started doing death work, I didn't even know I was doing death work. It was with my friend who was in her eighties and she was eccentric and really, really wealthy. And she was like, you know what? I'm out of here. I want to die. And that's like a whole other conversation about like the right to die, you know, if you feel like you're out of here, so to speak. Right. Um, I talked her out of it for like six years. Um, And like we had this like really great close friendship. But one thing that I did do with her in the meantime is I joined Final Exit, which was it started out as Hemlock Society. And then I joined Final Mm -hmm. Exit with her. And then um, that's kind of where I learned about like, DNR about you know advanced directives Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the you know the average person who was attending these meetings was like 55 Mm -hmm. you know and I was in my early 30s and like okay you know these are my people I love elderly people um so we have coffee and snacks you know and as you do talk about death and I'm like I love this why is this not like my job you know um anyway so when I um, became her uh, advocate it was so I could talk to her children who were mostly invested in like what they were going to inherit and then you know also about like what's going to happen to her because they didn't want to really listen to her about like what she wanted to happen and so I was appointed as her medical advocate mm-hmm. not to replace her children just to speak with her and advocate for her and, um, you know, because as you get older, it gets a lot more confusing and intimidating. People ignore you. Um, and so that's how I got my education, like, you know, which is totally my way, just like through this back door, like, okay, this is what we're doing. But um, when I started taking the classes, 
the second class, um, Conscious Dying in Sacred Crossings, is all about paperwork. And I have to tell you, I was like, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. You know, um, no wonder we don't want people to wait until they're sick and dying or right. elderly because it's a ton of work. Yeah. No, I right. mean, yeah, that's what I'm preaching really is um, you shouldn't wait until that point because when you get to that point, you don't want to be focused on paperwork. You right. Know, you want to be focusing on life review and spending time with your family um, and grieving, you know, not the little the paperwork that, I mean, it does matter, but really it doesn't, you right. know, do that hard stuff ahead of time. And it, it's, you know, nothing is permanent in that sense, you know, right. you can put these things on paper and they can change over time. That's actually one of the things that's included in my advanced planning packet are the five different, um, like we call them the five D's, mm -hmm. which is five different times in your life that you should go back, look at your advanced directive, look at your wills, look at whatever you have pre-planned and see if, it, see if it's still relevant to where you are in your life. You know, people die, people get divorced. All, life is messy. I love that so much because I tell you like part of it was like, I was really intimidated by like, well, you know, I'm like, Olivia, what if you write this down today? My partner and I are 15 years apart. She just mm -hmm. turned 60. Um, so, you know, what happens today versus 15 years from now? Um, that's just one example. I could die tomorrow, obviously, but like, you know, and she, she's like, well, Moon, you can change it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so I was like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know how permanent this is. And when you're, when you are in your eighties, you don't want to be resuscitated, you know, fine. That makes sense. I mean, some mm -hmm. people do obviously, but like, sure. sure, we get it. You know, we don't want medical intervention, but today at 44, you know, depending on the circumstances. Um, so I think that that's a really important part of it because you're kind of hit with this wall of paper. Um, and for people like me that have, you know, challenges <laughs> around um, paperwork, mm -hmm. um, it is, it is daunting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, even more is that every state is different and has different documents. And right. so, you know, you could be talking to somebody in a different state and they don't know what you're talking about because maybe that document isn't required or it's called something different. Um, sure. Yeah. So it's still a learning curve for me too. Um, yeah. I, I probably could probably benefit for even some more training in that area. Yeah. I mean, so for instance, we did our wills and everything before we moved from Maryland mm -hmm. um, three years ago. But the thing is like, we need to re-up it because now we're in California um, and so on. And I think part of it is like, you know, there's all this bureaucracy that goes along with it. Um, especially the more stuff you've got, right? the more you have to, or if, you know, in our case, we have three children. So we have and two are bonus children and one's biological. And, you know, so it's, you know, it's complicated. Um, it is, yeah. So it's nice to know that there are people out there that, you know, that want to help with, um, you know, specifics and, and it's not just like, um, you know, some, you know, stuffy situation. Right. Yeah. And, 
Um, you know, I hesitated to put out my packet for a couple of reasons. One was a conversation I had, I don't even know who it was with at this point, about, you know, the idea of taking control of things rather than just letting things go as they are, you know, mm. so why do you need to do all this planning, 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 planning? And I understood their side of the conversation, um, but there's a lot to advanced planning and it's that packet's not just for the person filling it out, it's for your family. Right, right. So that when the time comes, they don't have to make those hard decisions. They can focus on, you know, love and life and grief, not, right. the, not the, does grandma want to be resuscitated or fed anymore? Those are really hard decisions to make when it's put in your face and there's no documents that say otherwise. True. Um, and then, you know, it's also for easing death fears. Um, mm -hmm. you know, death anxiety is real and it's okay. You know, it's, it's there for everybody. Right. And, um, just, isn't that funny? It's, we all have it. It's not Absolutely. like, oh, well now I've got that licked or I've got that covered. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I don't like to speak for other people, but it's hard for me to think that people don't have any fears. Maybe they don't, you know, and that's fine. But all, from a personal perspective, I have death anxiety. Sure. You know, I fear pain. I fear um, not being ready to go, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's just having this packet. I mean, there's just, there's some logistical questions, but it's also like, what's going to make me feel the most comfortable during a really uncomfortable time? Um, and those answers could potentially help your family too. Yeah, yeah. it's such mm -hmm. a gift. And you can see that with, um, yeah, I like, we have, we have an elder who's kind of on the verge of, of dying in our family. And so of course I'm trying to advocate for these kinds of things <laughs> always for the, you know, for the last couple of years. Um, and you know, then I'm also like, well, you know, it's there for you if you need it. It's also like, maybe you don't feel like you need it. I know personally, feeling like the people that I'm closest to know what my wishes are. And then also I'm not super attached, uh -huh. but then the, maybe that will alleviate, like you said, some of the burden. And, um, and we do, we try, I mean, my partner and I talk about death and dying and all this stuff constantly. So that's right. great. Uh -huh. And we try to inject it into our <laughs> conversations with like our kids and stuff, which, you know, right. They're not, um, they're not a super fond of, um, <laughs> but like we have a 23 year old and a 27 year old. And so like, yeah, it's, it's hard to, you know, imagine why you would need an advanced directive, um, when you were so young. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and maybe you don't, you know, like you're saying like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. Right. But, it might make it a little bit um, less painful, you know, for others. And also, I think that there's nothing wrong with confronting your mortality at any age. Right. And I think the you know worldwide pandemic has been like, you know, one of the um, outcomes of that as more people are talking about it. Mm -hmm. And now there's a lot more, um, you know, death visibility, I guess, 
um, which is great. But, um, you know, I think like, I guess as, as time moves forward, we'll find out more because it's too, too early to still tell. But like, I, I think it would just be great if there was like more, um, I don't know, like a space for us to do our work. And, you know, you want to do this kind of work. I'm interested in like community building. I don't think that you're not, but I mean, like, you know, we have these niches and the person I was just speaking to, you know, wants to work with spirit and the actual dying. And so it's like, it's not a one size fits all. You know? Right. It's, it's not. And um, that's one thing I'm most grateful, um, you know, to learn about is that it didn't have to be exactly what I was taught in my initial training. And mm -hmm. it's not, it's not that way at all. And honestly, I'm probably, you know, I'm not using that information currently, maybe to educate other um, people who are interested in death work and mm -hmm. are interested in sitting bedside and, and that side of it. Um, but really, uh, death work is about the education piece, letting people know their options. And even with this advanced planning option, that's its preferences. It's your wishes. It doesn't mean it's 100% going to happen because who the heck knows <laughs> how we're all going to die. Yeah. You know, we're all going to die, but we don't really know how. Right. When. And so <laughs> their preferences, you know, that whatever's written on this, you know, sweet little PDF that I've created, that doesn't mean it's going to happen, you know, for sure. But in, we create something like that in hopes that it will. Right. Mm. So like in the ideal situation, whatever ideal that situation, is. Yeah. Or it doesn't, you know, maybe not everything in the packet um, will be able to be used, but maybe some of it, you know, where are we going to die that, you know, you could write it down that you want to die at home and that's, that might not happen. You might die on the street right. or wherever, you know? Right. But yeah, it is preferences, it's wishes. Um, and I does, I do think it does help with just fear around dying and having a little bit of say in how you go. Yeah, it should, I mean, at its best, help you feel like, well, you know, I've done my best, <laughs> put it right. out there mm -hmm. and whatever else happens, you know, I don't have any control over it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for a lot of people that's huge because they're used to having so much control, you know, or they're so invested in like, this is how it is. This is how it's always going to be. This is how it's always going to look. And that's kind of like what we're, you know, um, trying to dismantle as death workers mm -hmm. right like this whole idea of impermanence and um normalization of of endings um right. yeah it's definitely um <laughs> you know the work is there it's just uh you know it's just like people you know, really have a lot of fear. And um, I guess it's, it's gotta be like number one besides stage fright. I would say it's really high up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't have either really. So I have more like fear of heights, mm -hmm. um, which is associated with death. So sure. that, you know, 
Um, so actually that's not entirely true, but, um, I just feel like it's so much easier for me to talk about death than it is like, even, you know, I think I was telling you yesterday, like babies being born. <laughs> like, I just, I don't have any like excitement about that, mm-hmm. you know, like not to sound like a bitch, but like, <laughs> I'm excited when babies are born. I'm not, you know, ice cold, but I'm not that person. I've never been like, Ooh, baby shower or like, let me hold the baby. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got a dog. You're, you're like, let me shroud the body. <laughs> let me shroud the body. <laughs> you know, and it's so much a part of like, it's gendered for mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so much a part of like our, you know, commercial world. And it's, um, it's great. I, I've had a baby and you know, great. It was, it was great, but I definitely feel like I've always been much more interested, you know, even a young age, like funerals. And uh-huh. in my family, we had, um, viewings, you know, cause you worked in a funeral home. Yeah. Like that was mm-hmm. the thing. So mm-hmm. many family members on, you know, my mom's side. Right. So it was like constantly viewings. Um, right. I don't know. Like, I think I just felt so peaceful there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've I've been to hundreds and hundreds of viewings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all very different in their own way. And, you know, that's not the choice for some, but um, a viewing can be closure for some families too. It's, right. It can be really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I'm much more interested in like the home funeral, you know, as far as like a viewing of a body, but I didn't know about that, you know, back then. I think it just has this like... Um, you know, peacefulness and also like people, um, like a lot of trauma in my family, for whatever reason, people really pulled together, you know, at that time and not always, of course, but like some kind of, somehow they show up as their most like sensitive or vulnerable selves. And right. like, I remember seeing people like crying and sharing that, mm-hmm. they, that normally wouldn't have that you know, um, emotional access to them. Right. And, um, I'm sharing this with you because I know that, you know, you know, cause you just, that was, you were living that and, mm-hmm. you know, but whether it's vicarious or like it's part of your family, mm-hmm. it's still like, you know, observing that as a young person, it's just, um, I was like, oh yeah, I, I like this because there's so much work to like put these walls up and these barriers up and we don't cry and we don't feel and you know, and when someone dies, you know, um, it really like rips open this, you know, hole in right. their, in their world or, you know, um, it does. yeah, it's, it's probably one of the most vulnerable times in a person's life. Um, and to witness that, um, from an employee of a funeral home, it's just as hard. You don't have to know the person. Um, I'm a crier. And I probably cried at 80% of those funerals I went to, you know? Yeah. 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 But like, it didn't um, scare you. It didn't. No, it didn't scare me. Um, you know, it was a weird time for me. I, I think that because I started doing the work so like 
so close to the death of my grandfather, it was almost a way for me to brush his death under the rug because I was dealing with everybody else's grief and the death of their loved ones. Um, you know, and that's not that's not good either. You know, that's some of the shadow work I still work on today. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't thought about my grandfather as much as I do now, you know, so submerged into my death work. And so mm-hmm. it's been really a, a continuation of my healing journey in that sense. And actually in October is the 20 year anniversary of his death. And oh, wow. Yeah. So um, what I'm, day? Uh, the 20. Oh my gosh. If my grandma listens to this, she'll, she'll be mad. It's either the 21st or the 25th. All right, grandma. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call her soon. Okay. <laughs> wow. So 20 years, 20 years. Yeah. And so, yeah, 20 years ago, it's kind of when I started thinking about death. Yeah. Kind it's of funny. Cool. My first death, I mean, family member was my grandfather too. And I was 10 mm-hmm. and also very close to him. Um, it wasn't the first time I like learned about death, which actually my other podcast is about true crime and, and death. Um, and so I talk about that more, like having that awareness at a very young age, because my, my neighbor's best friend was murdered in front of my mother. Oh. Um, and so there was always like talking about it, but not to me, cause I was too little to understand, but they were talking about it and I was in the room. <laughs> right. Right. Which is, you know, it's, I, I've had a kid. I, I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. I think we all understand that, you know, the idea is like to protect, but like, you know, you're listening and you're like, what does that mean? And so right. for a long time, I had a lot of um, fear about death and dying and not understanding. Um, and then when my grandfather died, when I was 10, it was just like, whoa, you know, this happens it was really personal Mm -hmm. um and so it kind of took it out of that like you know this is over here far away and this is really happening and devastating um and so it it also was like a time where it really um pushed me forward towards like that sort of like teen angst teen goth um and I think I was already like that but it definitely was like oh yeah I'm gonna read like Sylvia Plath and sit in the graveyard by myself (laughs) (laughs) just like oh so nerdy but like I would still do that today um Mm -hmm. I really miss I want to say I think you're from Northern California right I am I'm from San Francisco so like here in Southern California particularly in Orange County I really don't know where the cemeteries are. Like oh, it's, mm. they're a really big deal. Like back mm. East, you know, of course it's a lot older. Um, like even in the last house I lived in, um, Lisa's home of like 30 years that I got to live in with her. Um, it's like this old, you know, house from like the 1800s. Um, we went to the cemetery every day cause we walked our dog Teddy there. And that's where I would meet my friend and then go have coffee with her. <laughs> And even on the days when like my friend wasn't available or like, you know, whatever, I would go there and be by myself, like ritually. Mm -hmm. And um, I know some people thought that that was kind of morbid, um, but it's absolutely one of my favorite places ever. Even though now, like, I don't know how you feel about this now, but like, I don't really want to be buried in a cemetery, like the traditional, but I still love them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I spent so much time in cemeteries 
even prior to working at the mortuary, because like I said, I, I literally spent my early teen years at the cemetery learning how to drive and everything right. else. Um, and that was in a town, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of Colma, California, Mm-mm. but Colma, California is, it's, it's a cemetery city. So okay. it's, I don't know how many cemeteries there are there, but there's at least, oh God, over a dozen for sure. Oh, wow. This one little town. And so it's, yeah, it's for dead San Francisco, pretty much. It's, it's right on the border of San Francisco. Like um, which direction? Like headed north? It is um, south. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, just directly. No, I have family there as well, so I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a documentary about Colma, California, that I've seen in the past, um, and I mean, I, I have to drive through this town every single day to get to school. I mean, oh, so I okay. was around. I saw cemeteries all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was maybe a morbid child. My favorite films to watch when I was a little girl were horror films mm-hmm. <laughs> me too yeah you know so death really has never scared me yeah I always have this like relationship with it where I'm like drawn to it and then really afraid of it and then um I think as I got older I started reconciling like that fear of like what is that actually about you know, uh, yeah. that has more fear. That's more attached to like abandonment issues, honestly, right. than it is like, you know, really being afraid to die. And when I started identifying that, I was like, oh, that's more about like this childhood shit, you know, that I haven't worked out. It's it's not like, you know, actually being afraid of dying. Yeah, no. And I think that, I mean, that really leads into a, a really important conversation, which is we need to be talking to our youth about death and loss mm-hmm. because that's how we are going to become a society of people that aren't scared of death and that death is not a taboo topic. Right. We have to start young. We have to start with, you know, I call them tiny goodbyes. So, you know, you can speak in terms that a three-year-old will understand. You can start with, you know, the death of the seasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, or, you know, their pets or a, a squirrel on the side of the road, you know, something right. that they can really understand so that when a human in their life dies, it's not as dramatic for them. They, they all, they, they'll, they'll grasp that concept. Right. You know, I've worked with kids for a long time and I, their, their minds are always turning, you know, and they, they take in that information and they'll ask questions. And so, it's really, really important to really focus our education, starting with the little ones. I 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, because it is like the tail end of Suicide Awareness Month, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what's really interesting is like, you know, the amount of young people that um, are so polarized. And then like, you know, I think about myself, even into my 20s, I mean, suicidal ideation has been very much a part of my experience as an artist, as a person with like a lot of trauma, like I said, um, as a person who is, you know, in love with death and all mm-hmm. things. And um, and I love nature. So I feel like, you know, I saw something like, I think before we got on here, that was like, you know, if someone shares with you, it doesn't mean that they need to be hospitalized. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It was just like, what's wrong with like listening to someone talk about like their own, you know, awareness of their mortality. Right. Um, especially with young, like young people, because, you know, they're already alienated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we started even earlier, like you're talking about, like a little prevention, like where it's like normalized that parents have these whoever's parenting is like look you know i'm not always going to necessarily be here and you can start mm-hmm. out with something really small and work your way up to like you know because i was just actually listening to when i was having my soup earlier i was listening to this podcast it's really good it's called dead parents club yeah <laughs> and the first episode um was about like um you know find like thinking about your mom you know going to die but then like having a terminal illness but then not having the um like uh understanding that that really could happen and then the mom dies and then it's like you're hit you know with this like huge car crash of a feeling yeah and um then all the grief that's extra because you know you didn't have this opportunity and i think like you know um that's why people like you and I are are interested in this work because we know that reality and like wouldn't it be great if it was just like a lot more you know um of an open conversation right mm-hmm. I do I totally agree instead of it being like whoa that was shocking and I was not prepared for that right preparation is is really good Right. And it's just about being 100% honest with yourself, whether you're talking, I mean, talking with a little one or a grown adult, you know, use the word died and death, right? dying, you know, right. not uh, they've fallen asleep or, um, you know, there's, there's other right. euphemisms and such, you know, you have to be really honest with yourself, like they have died. And whether you, whatever you believe happens after death, that is your own and that's fine, right. you know. And even for me, you know, I, I don't believe that death is the end, um, but this body is now dead. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Language matters a lot mm-hmm. um, because it really does help, like, you know, complete the picture <laughs> instead of being like, well, if they fell asleep, you know, then you're like afraid yeah. of going to sleep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to fall asleep again because that's, you know, I might not wake up. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Well, before we go, I just wanted to know since you did bring it up, um, do you have a favorite horror movie? I do. You know, my therapist asked me this the other day. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Cool so, therapist. Um, yeah, my favorite. I guess it's horror. I'll, I'll. It's yeah. So it's Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Is that horror? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know, people eating people. I think cannibalism. And- Sure. And mixed in with like other creepy um, serial killer stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I would say that one. A close second is probably Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are classics. I mean, yeah. Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorites because um, some of it takes place in Baltimore, which is where I'm from. Oh, yeah. Um, so Hannibal Lecter, I think, is, is, is there. Um, and Jodie Foster, who's I amazing. Know. And she actually went through the same program that I did at um, Sacred Crossing. So she is a... She did? 
I know, right? Ooh, oh my but gosh. I believe I she's it. like a death midwife, but I don't know oh. if she's practicing. Um, yeah, I like I like that movie a lot. It's really layered. Um, it's funny. Uh, it came up earlier in another um, interview that I did about like how a lot of it would be labeled as problematic now in 2021. Yep. Um, but that's okay because it's it's from its time. And um, the parts that are really, um, you know, still really scary are still really scary. Yeah. Um, okay. I really like Rosemary's Baby. I think that's probably my favorite. It's um, a good one. And because it has that kind of like, um, you know, that sort of feeling like of not, I don't know, it feels like she's in a funeral home somehow, like, uh-huh. you know, with the cults and everything. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Yeah. And it's the season for watching these movies. So I know. That's why I have to ask you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much. I really enjoyed talking with you. And, um, you know, maybe we'll get to do it again if you want to come back. I would love to. Thank you for having me. Awesome. And the best way for people to find you is Emerald Awakenings. On, uh, obviously, Instagram, because we're already friends there. Is there... Yeah. Are you um, anywhere um, else media? You know, um, I have a Facebook, but I don't use it, so I don't okay. really promote it. But Instagram, it's just emerald.awakenings. Um, you can find me on my website, uh, emeraldawakenings.com. Oh, that's good. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. so all of my offerings and services and my story um, are on there. Excellent. Well, until next time, I will just say goodbye even though I hate saying goodbye (laughs) bye bye well death fam I hope Nicole and I convinced you to get that paperwork started or maybe finished in my case with my wife I would say we're somewhere between 95 to 98% finished. But we talk about this all the time with our kids, with my sister-in-law, with our chosen family, so that they have an idea of what our wishes are. And, you know, what's nice is you can reach out to Nicole at Emerald Awakenings, either through Instagram or her website, or actually she's also helped start a death doula collective in Portland called the PDX Doulas. So just go ahead and reach out to her. Tell her Moon says hi and don't be shy about it. Okay, I'm getting off of my end of life soapbox (laughs) for now. My next guest is in England and is a queer goth icon. His name is Oliver Spleen. He has a new album coming out next year called Still Life about his dance with death and I'm very excited to share it with you but until then I hope you're doing something really nice for yourself and I'm sending you so much love and gratitude for listening to this conversation take good care bye